you have any questions, get with Sister Pam on that. Also, men's meeting will be this Monday. That'll be December the 4th, first Monday of the month, 6 p.m. And then our, um, our Christmas program is actually going to be Sunday, December the 10th at 6 p.m. And the kids are going to be taken to Archer Park, and that'll be Friday, December the 15th. And the band will be leaving, and folks will be leaving the church at 5 on the 15th. So keep that in mind. And then a Christmas party at the community center is going to be December the 21st, 6 to 8 p.m. Waivers are on the back podium, so if you have children that are uh, under 18 years of age, they have to fill out, uh, parents have to fill out one of those waivers, not the kids, so keep that in mind. And if you don't, then uh, you can't do anything until that waiver is turned in. Also, uh, CAC New Year's Eve celebration, that's coming up Sunday, December 31st, 9 p.m. to after midnight. We always have a great time at that. And our prayer requests, uh, Charlotte Vainzettel, Shane Hurley, my brother, James uh, Wallace McKinney, Jr. Uh, he's in the hospital in Lexington, and they're trying to find out uh, what is wrong with him, but they are leaning toward um, uh, a cancer. So uh, let's, uh, let's just be praying for my brother. And let's remember Shannon Pruitt. She is doing some better today. Uh, she's still in the hospital but needs, uh, needs prayer today, but she's doing some better. Uh, also, Scotty Belcher and Levi McCoy. And if you have a prayer request just by the raising of your hand, the Lord sees that. He knows what that represents. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come before your presence. We thank you for this opportunity that you have blessed us to be gathered here today. I thank you, Lord, that you have allowed your people to come through another week of work and week of things, maybe traveling, and you have gathered us here together so that we can worship you in spirit and in truth. I pray, Lord, that you would move in a mighty way for each and every one that has a need, those that are here today that may be sick in body and feeling under the weather, that you would just lift them up and give them healing. I pray pray, Lord, that you would touch those that are still sick and those, Lord, that are not here this morning. For whatever reason, I pray, Lord, that you would just uh, go to the rescue and rescue them. And, Lord, we give you the praise. We give you the honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Let's give the Lord a mighty hand. And while you remain standing, if you will, we want to turn to Isaiah chapter 6. And uh, Isaiah chapter 6, and we want to begin reading at verse number 1. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each had six wings. With twain he covered his face, that means with two he covered his face. With twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of, an, of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, saying, and having, rather, a live coal in his hand, which he 
had taken with the tongs from off the altar. Notice where these hot coals come from. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. I want to stop right there because I want us to go to the Lord in prayer. And we're just going to study this morning about our holy God. How many believes that God is holy? He's a holy God. And we're going to try our best to live holy. And uh, that's a task within itself because our flesh doesn't like to live holy. Our flesh likes to do its own thing. But I'm glad that the Word lets us know that we got to be holy because He is holy. So a life of holiness is rooted in our relationship with God. Aren't you glad for that today? Your relationship with God is what roots you uh, in a life of holiness, living holy. Let's go to the Lord in prayer once again. Lord, we come before your presence. We thank you for this opportunity to teach your word. I pray that you would bless us, Lord, that we will be able to expound it fully, rightly dividing the word of truth, line upon line and precept upon precept, that we may all leave this study today and this service today knowing that, Lord, you are holy and we have got to be holy. And we give you the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen. Let's give the Lord another mighty hand clap. And you may be seated. The truth about God is God is holy. The truth for our life is that we must be holy. It's not a, a church thing. It's not a... Um, a community thing, it's not an organizational thing, it's a God thing that we are to live holy. We are to humble ourselves and worship before a holy God. Now, when you look at your relationship with the Lord, you begin to understand that there are expectations the Lord has of all of us. We understand that it's not just beneficial or should I say more beneficial to people who live a higher standard? Uh, you know, some people say, well, it, if you want more blessings, you just live a little closer. No, you got to live as close as you can, whether you get blessed or not. This is not about trading off. This is not looking like Hamas and Israel in a trade saying, Lord, I'll give you this if you'll give me that. Uh, this is about what the Bible requires of all of us if we are going to truly live for Him. So I want to humble myself in worship before the Lord. I want, to, I want Him to know that I am here to worship Him. I am here to live for Him. I'm here to please Him. And uh, if we all have that same mindset, Guess what? When we come to church, we're going to have church. When we come to church, we're going to have a move of God because nobody's got any prior agendas. Nobody's got anything on their mind other than I just want to worship a holy God. And if we can do that, we're going to see some great things happen in our midst. So I want to uh, start out just by looking at what the Lord did. He revealed himself to Isaiah. And I think that's important to uh, first make note of because the mention 
of King Uzziah in Isaiah 6 and chapter 1, it provides an important backdrop to this chapter. And if you notice, it was in the year that King Uzziah died that this great vision was seen. I think that sometimes when we look at detail, uh, why did the Lord wait to reveal something so magnificent to Isaiah uh, until, you know, the death of King Uzziah? And, of course, uh, the true answers may never be known, but we can all think about how that sometimes it's in the midst of death or loss or hurt uh, that the Lord comes to us in His greatest way. It's sometimes when you've lost a loved one by way of death that the Lord shows up for you personally. Sometimes it's in your sickness that the Lord shows up for you in a great way. He shows you He's your help, He's your healer, He's your friend. He's, he's the one that will never leave you or forsake you. So I think that the, I would lean toward more of that, that uh, the reason that this was revealed was because it was a time of loss. It was a time of uh, Uzziah, uh, you know, the downfall of King Uzziah. It's, it's actually a, an Old Testament illustration of the corruption of power. And uh, after 52 years, Uzziah's, uh, is the second longest recorded uh, reign, a king to reign in Scripture. Such longevity is a testimony of the unprecedented peace and prosperity marked by the remarkable victories of this king. We find that he had victory over enemies like Philist the Philistines as well as the Ammonites. We also understand that the glory of Uzziah's reign came to a humiliating end. And that's the way it is sometimes. He was banished as a leper. And it was, uh, it was something that when you look at, the writer of Chronicles gives us a reason for his introduction to this tragic story. But when he, Uzziah, speaking of Uzziah, was strong, his heart was lifted up to destruction. Now, sometimes when things are difficult and things are hard and, and we're suffering and we're we're overwhelmed, it's easy to serve the Lord. But it becomes harder when everything's going good. Now, you would think it'd be just the opposite, right? You'd think it'd be just the opposite. You'd say, well, you know, it's easier to serve the Lord when everything's going good. But we tend to be like Uzziah. We begin to be lifted up with pride, and we begin to be lifted up in ourselves because when his heart was lifted up to his destruction, it was when he was strong, not when he was weak. And I think that that's something that we all should be aware of. The devil likes to take us at our highest pinnacle when we've made it to the mountaintop. When we've overcome some things, when we've prayed through some things, when we were victorious over some things, and the devil likes to take us at that moment that we sit back and we're kind of relaxed because now we got through what we was going through and now we're kind of kicked back and we're not having to fight as hard to get a move of God. We're not having to pray as much to get what we need from the Lord. So we kind of sit back. That's when the devil will attack. Now, I, I hate to keep referring to common Israel war and, and Hamas war and things like that, but uh, there's so much in common 
with the way the devil is working with Hamas and the way the devil works with people. And uh, one of the things that we understand is, is that Hamas wanted a cease or a pause from the war. And uh, using the, under the guise, we're going to release some uh, prisoners and all this. And they did. Uh, but also they sent some dead people back. Right? And, and then uh, Israel said, okay, that's it. We're back to war. But it was at a time of ease that Hamas was regrouping. It was at a time of the ceasefire. They wasn't all at the table negotiating releases. They had two people sitting in a hotel somewhere talking to some other people, and that's how they got the release of these prisoners. But you know what? These people were regrouping. They're getting their rockets in line. They're getting their weapons in line. They're getting ready to fight again because they know, I mean, Israel is not shy. Uh, they have said, just as soon as we get the hostages released, we're still taking you out. Now, how many is willing to tell the enemy... You got something I want, but I'm going to still kill you. Well, Israel stands up and says that. Why? Because they're not going to be intimidated by the enemy. And I think that we ought not be intimidated by the devil. If the devil stole something from you, I think that we ought to just stand up and say, Well, I'm going to get it back, devil. And then I'm going to put you under my feet and I'm going to put you behind me and I'm going to stomp, stomp, stomp on the devil a little bit. I believe that sometimes we ought to just tell the devil what we're going to do because he certainly loves to tell us what he's going to do. He gets on our shoulder, man, I'm going to take you out. I'm going to make you sick. I'm going to, I'm going to cause you trouble. I'm going to cause you to have heartache and struggle and all these things. We ought to just start telling the devil what we're going to do. Just say, you know what, I'm going to get my joy back, devil, but I'm going to destroy you in the process. Uh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this because you know what? I believe that if we've come this morning and we've made up our mind that we're going to worship and praise and get our joy back and our happiness back, that the devil will be destroyed. Oh, he has to leave for a season. That's destroying his plans for a season. And you know what he's doing during that season? He's away. He's regrouping. He's regrouping. He's coming at you again. Oh, well, I don't want that to happen. Well, let me tell you, that's going to happen until the last breath you draw. So I believe that since we have to fight anyway, we ought to just tell the devil what we're going to do. And we're going to get our stuff back. And we're going to get the backsliders back. And we're going to get people that used to come to church back. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. We ought to just tell him what we're going to do. We, we find that it was when Uzziah was strong and his heart was lifted up that destruction came. Be careful when things are good. Now, I just want to say it again. Be careful when things are good. Because when things are good, we tend to get lazy. Right? You know, here's, here's a good illustration. When you're working, say, at the coal mines or you're working at another place and, and, uh, and you need uh, money to, to buy clothing, you need money 
uh, you know, to send your college kid, your kid to college. You need money to uh, to go on vacation or whatever. You work overtime, right? That's what we do. We work overtime, and then when we get enough, we start telling them, "No, I don't want to work back today." Right? I, I remember uh, doing a job interview, and the guy looked at me and said. Uh, are you an everyday worker? I said, yes, sir. He said, everybody's everyday workers till they get hired. <laughs> and that's the truth. They'll promise you the moon. Oh, I'll work every hour of overtime you ask me to, and I'll do anything you want me to do. And then when everything's smooth and they got money and they don't have to have, you know, any extra, uh, it's easy to say no, right? It's easy to turn down. I always hated to turn down overtime at work. And I told them, I said, now, I'll work any day over uh, except Wednesday. And I just let them know up front, Wednesday was God's time, and it ain't my time, and it ain't their time, and it's nobody else's time. It's God's time. And that, that was before I ever started pastoring. So I want you to know, I didn't just start living this way after I started pastoring. I lived this way, you know, long before, 16, 17 years before I ever became pastor. And the reason being is because my relationship with God is everything. That's, that's the only thing that matters in this life. It's not whether people like me or people want to, uh, you know, uh, give me honor or anything like that. That's not what it's about. It's my relationship with God. And we all need to work on our personal relationship with God. And it would save us a lot of heartache. We, we wouldn't make some mistakes that we'd have to have everybody in the church pray about at a later time if we would just have a good relationship with God. So Uzziah was struggling when everything was good. Everything was good. And uh, he got lifted up. He thought, well, I'm a good king. I've got a good army. I've got good people under me. I don't have to be so um, aware of what's going on. I've seen churches do this. Church start having revival and, and growth start happening. And then everybody just kind of kicks back from the pastor to the pew. Everybody just kicks back. Oh, we don't have to invite nobody no more because, look, we got people coming in left and right. And then next thing you know, you got people backsliding left and right. And then next thing you know, you look around and the Sunday school department's dwindled away and the youth department's dwindled away and the church has dwindled away. But at our pinnacle, we just kind of just set back. That's what a lot of pastors and preachers and churches do and I've seen churches do it to the point that the church had to fold the church had to fold now I never want us to ever get in that place so we're not going to get lazy when things are going good when revival happens we're not going to get jealous I, I you've heard me say this so many times and I tell you this over and over again when pe new people start coming in I tell everybody that's in church right now, don't start acting up. Now, does it work? No. <laughs> because the very ones that want to quit coming or the very ones that's getting jealous or the very one is people that's been coming for a long time. But you see, you, you, I, I preface revival with this. When it starts happening and people coming in, everybody else that's here, behave. <laughs> because it's easy for us 
when we see growth, say, well, they don't need me now. Or they don't want me here. Or, you know, I've been here a long time. We, we get that, uh, you know, prodigal son brother syndrome. If you read your Bible, you know what I'm talking about. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, go read your Bible. It's a fascinating book. Isaiah saw the Lord. Two assumptions shape our understanding of Isaiah's vision. Uh, the first is that this account is a report of Isaiah's initial calling as a prophet based on his confession of sin. It's when he first really felt the call of God. That is an assumption. You know, it, it's, uh, it's important to bear in mind that neither of these points are laid out in Scripture. But why would a prophet need his lips cleaned? Right? Why would a prophet need to be, uh, you know, cleansed? And so, most scholars say this is the first call of Isaiah to, uh, to be a true prophet. And just an account of that. And then, also, it begins to just talk about the second thing. Uh, is that the vision took place within the precincts of Solomon's temple. Since a seraphim took a coal from the altar to cleanse Isaiah in Isaiah 6 and 6. However, it is important to bear in mind that none of these are actually in Scripture. It's, it's man's view trying to figure out why is this happening? Why is that happening? We're just under the assumption, right? So that means that uh, we're not going to say this is the purpose but we also understand that sometimes that is where it comes in. When you start reading the Bible, you have to understand what it's implying. Uh, you know, uh, sometimes people talk about the law, uh, the, the letter of the law. And then some people talk about the spirit of the law. And the letter of the law is what it says. The spirit of the law is how you apply it. Okay? Or, or the intent. And so if you don't uh, understand those two things, you might read the Word and get plumb bent out of shape and say, well, who can be saved? Because I don't know about you, but there's a lot of stuff in the Bible that if you, if you let it uh, get in your, in your mind and you say, well, I can't do this, 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 630-some, over 600 laws, and I can't, what can I do? You know, even, even the disciples said, well, who can be saved? You see, sometimes that's what we get into because if we're not careful, we look so much at the thou shalt nots that we forget about the thou shalts. And so we start talking about, well, then who can be saved? There ain't nobody can live that good. There ain't nobody can live that holy. There ain't nobody can live. Well, the Lord is telling us we can live holy. He's given us every opportunity. Not only has he given us the Holy Ghost, to help us live holy. It's not just to shout us around the building. It's to help us live holy. It's to teach us things. So that when we do read something, we don't get all overwhelmed and say, I, I can't live that. I've heard people say, I'd invite them to church and they say, Oh, well, brother, I tell you, I'd like to come, but I just can't live like you all. And I'm thinking, live like what? The Bible? Right? Live like the Bible? You can't live like the Bible? Well, if you can't live like the Bible, then you ain't going to be saved. It's that simple. 
So I believe that as we read this and we see everything unfold, we begin to see how that Isaiah saw the Lord. And, and it's important to understand how Isaiah saw him. He did not see him lowly. He didn't see him calm. He didn't see him as just another man or another good person. He saw him high and lifted up. He was sitting as king of kings and lord of lords. He was sitting in authority. His train filled the temple. To understand the king's train, every victory that that king had, they added on to his royal train. So that if he just won one victory, he might have a suit jacket on like me. And everybody see the king, they say, well, he just won one battle. He ain't much of a king. But if they saw somebody and the train went for feet, maybe even a, a block, we don't know how long some of these king's trains were. But I do know this, when Isaiah saw the Lord, his train filled the temple. And I think about this because uh, it, it, let, it let Isaiah know, it let me know that there was no battle as long as you're in church serving the Lord in the house of God. There's no battle that can be lost. I'm going to say that again. If his train fills the temple, then there's no defeat in the temple. There's no defeat. Many speculations have been, uh, you know, talked about this train. And, and uh, they, they said that somehow it was a separate garment attached to a robe. But uh, the real support for this, we see this train usually refers to a seam or edge or hem of a garment rather than something that is just separate. So this train uh, that Isaiah saw filled the temple. Um, just think about how many, how many pieces of material could you put in this building here? And this is not even the size of the temple. So how, think about how many pieces of material you could put here that maybe say this is going to represent my victory and this is going to represent my victory. You know, the Holy Ghost just quickened me. I think we ought to be of this mind that every time we come to church, we're bringing something to add to the train. We're bringing some victory. I'm not coming defeated. I'm not coming downcast. I'm not coming ready to give up. I'm not coming ready to throw in the towel. I've come to help add to the train because the Lord has given me the victory. And so therefore, every time somebody here gets a victory, the train begins to grow in the house of God. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. I think that we ought to come together and every time somebody gets a victory, the Lord gets the glory. And when somebody starts giving him glory and his train starts filling the temple, then all of a sudden there's going to be somebody else say, if God done it for them, he'll do it for me. If God done it for them, he'll do it for me. God is no respecter of persons. He will give us the victory. Oh, victory in Jesus. Jesus, my Savior. 
forever. Add to the train. Let the Lord give you victory. You know, somebody had to add to the train, right? The kings, the natural kings, when they uh, won another battle, I don't know if they had a kingdom seamstress or what, but they added to the train. Somebody had to sew it on, extend it, and say, look, here's another victory. And I'd like to think that's what we do every time we come to church with a victory. We come with our spiritual needle and thread, and we come with our victory. And we say, I'm going to sow on another victory on the train. If Isaiah can see the Lord high and lifted up, we ought to see the Lord high and lifted up. If Isaiah can see him sitting on a throne, we ought to see him sitting on a throne. If Isaiah is willing to let a seraphim grab a hot coal from off the fire and touch his lips so he can be clean, we ought to be willing to come to the house of the Lord and let the Lord cleanse us oh hallelujah hallelujah the second looking at the the coal from off the altar to cleanse Isaiah I think that this is the first awe-inspiring element of Isaiah's vision it's simply the size of the train Notice he didn't comment on the Lord other than he was high and lifted up, which means he was exalted. Exalt the Lord with me. Oh, exalt his name together. Oh, hallelujah. We ought to come together and we ought not be shy about lifting up that name. Amen. But one thing he did comment on was the size of the train that it filled all the temple. That's a pretty astounding thing that he stood and he looked up and he saw the Lord exalted sitting on a throne and all of the heavenly realm that was around him and then the hem of his garment was so much that it filled the temple. And I think it's interesting that the references to the hem or the train, which represents a hem of the garment. What was it that the, the woman with the issue of blood said? If I could but touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made whole. Some of us ought to add to the hem. Some of us ought to lower the hem. Some of us ought to add to the train and say, If I can but touch the hem of his garment, the power that is going to flow, the anointing that's going to flow, that's what Jesus knew when he said, Who touched? me and they said wait a minute Lord there's a whole bunch of people here how can I know who touched you and he said well I know somebody touched me because I felt virtue go out from me 
Oh, I want to have a touch with the Lord that lets virtue flow from him to me. I want you to have a relationship with the Lord that lets you touch him and virtue flows from him to you. I want you to have such a relationship as Isaiah had that he says, I see him high and lifted up in all of his glory and his train is filling the temple and victory is in him and there's no battle he's ever lost he's never been defeated he's never been overcome he's still victorious in 2023 he is still the same God today that he was when Isaiah saw him he's still the same yesterday today and forever he is still wanting his people to have a relationship with him that will give them to see him oh magnify the Lord with me oh magnify the Lord with me I think about this and I think about how how big he saw God and how big he saw the train and how majestic the Lord was in his eyes and victorious he was and, and glorious and holy and, and all these things and, and we begin to see that if we will have that same relationship that we will begin to magnify the Lord. Now magnifying the Lord doesn't have anything to do with you making him any bigger but what it does have to do with is you seeing him bigger. You see, you've got to see what Isaiah saw. You've got to see and know when you read the scripture, you've got to turn a page and say, I see Jesus high and lifted up. I see him victorious. I see him as my savior. I see him as my healer. I see him as the one that can protect me. I see that I can run into his name because it's a strong tower. I see that there's something about Jesus. There's something about the name of the Lord. There's something about knowing how many victories he has won. Oh, I believe that we ought to have a relationship where we seek his face. David said this, I've got his face before me, ever before me. I'm never going to be anywhere where I can't see Jesus. That's what that means. You know what? I know that you're probably not going to see physical Jesus walking around, but I never want to be anywhere that I can't see his face. I never want to be anywhere where I, I, I let this go and be lowered to where I start looking at things that should not be looked at. I never want to be in a place to where I forget his word is what's going to increase my faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. I, I never want to be in a place where I quit looking for him to be high and lifted up. I never want my life to become short of the glory of God. I never want to find myself going through life and getting in a place to where I don't lift him up every service because it's not about stroking the pastor's ego. It's not about trying to get somebody to like your praise and talk about your worship, but it's your relationship with God. And if you don't have a relationship with God, you're going nowhere quick. You're going nowhere quick. Isaiah saw the Lord. High and lifted up, awe-inspiring. It was something more than what uh, anyone, if you will, could virtually describe 
describe it the best you can, but even at your best, he's still higher. If you say the Lord is good, he's still gooder. If you say the Lord is great, he's still greater. Uh, If you say the Lord's mighty, he's still mightier. If you say the Lord is awesome, he's more awesome. Or awesomer. The angels declared his holiness. Now, wouldn't you want to take the angels' words that the Lord is holy? If they're worshiping the Lord and crying holy, 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 then we ought to be crying holy, holy, holy. The Lord is holy. And, and so the, the understanding and the sense of seeing God's holy glory. First, Isaiah witnessed the presence of six-winged seraphim. And uh, we're, not, we're not told how many seraphims he saw, but we're told how many wings the seraphim had. You know, two that they would, they would cover with, and two they would cover with, and two they would fly with. So it lets me know that there's got to be some covering and there's got to be some flying. And we as the people of God have got to learn how to stay covered by the blood of Jesus Christ and covered by the anointing and covered with the Holy Ghost. But also this word seraph that is part of the word, it's, it's a Hebrew word, which is uh, where you get the word seraphim. Um, it means to burn. It means to burn. So basically what Isaiah saw was burning fiery ones. And, uh, you know, our God is a consuming fire. So, uh, you know, it was fire by night, right, through the desert. Fire by night, cloud by day, fire by night. So we know that our God is a consuming fire. And we also know that everything around him is part of him. Right? Everything in heaven was part of him. He just began to speak. He created the angels. He, he even created Lucifer. Right? He created the third of the angels that left him. He created all that. He created good. The Bible, you'll read your Bible, it's a fascinating book. He said he created good and created evil. And, and so everything is an extension of God, right? Now, I know that's hard to swallow for some people, but the fact is it is. Nothing exists without him. Not one tree on this mountain out here or that mountain or that mountain or this mountain exists without being an extension of God. People say, well, if I could just see the glorious atmosphere of God Almighty, just look around. Look around. He created it all. He created the heavens and the earth, everything that's in the earth. It belongs to him. It's his. He can do with it as he pleases. We also understand that man is an extension of God. And when he breathed into man the breath of life, man became a living soul. 
That's why you're alive today. That's why you have a soul. That's why you're going to live on somewhere. And, and you can, you can uh, say, well, I'll, I'll make that decision when the time comes. Uh, you may not have time to make decisions. You better make your decision today. You're going to serve Jesus. Hang on. You're going to keep on going on. You're not going to give up. Amen. So I thought it was interesting that as I began to just talk to you this morning, the Lord just beginning to revelate my mind with some words of how that we are an extension of God. So if you want to see the beauty of God, look at somebody who's got the Holy Ghost. If you want to see the beauty of God, look at somebody who's saved. He will beautify the meek with salvation. So everything comes from God. So therefore, when we have a right relationship with God, we will see Him as He truly is. High and lifted up, mightier than our enemy, able to keep us, even if he has to send angels to camp round about us. Now, people don't talk about that anymore because you start talking about that, and people go, oh, man, he's, he's out there in left field. No, I'm in the Bible. People ought to get right, stay right, talk right, be right, and continue on. And believe that God hasn't, there's not one angel that has died. Now, a third of the angels are in trouble. I want you to know that Michael the archangel, guess what? He's still alive. <laughs> we forget the angels of God are still right now crying, holy, holy, holy. Right now, even this moment, they're crying in heaven, holy, holy, holy. They're lifting up the one sitting on the throne that Isaiah saw. The seraphims are still there. And you never know. You know, we used to sing a song years ago. I'm, I'm going to go way back in the 80s. King Jesus... Won't you hear me when I pray? Oh, King Jesus, won't you hear me when I pray? I'm down here in trouble, Lord. Send an angel by my way. I'm going to tell you, God still sends angels. Maybe you need comfort and maybe you need help and maybe you need strength and maybe you need protection. How many times have you heard if I'd been Five minutes ahead in the car, I would have been involved in that accident. Who's to say the angel didn't put you behind somebody slow and you're cursing them the whole time you're behind them? Right? I can't get to church. I can't get to my appointment. I'm going to be late. Amen. Amen. You got to prepare for delays. Right? I don't wait until 10 a.m. to leave to come to church because I'll be 10 minutes late. I don't wait till 10 till because I might actually be at that point at the intersection where all of a sudden somebody decided to be on a Sunday morning, a Sunday driver, and pulled out in front of somebody. So now you're sitting there behind a wreck. 
you plan ahead. You want to be here early. If, if we got church starts at 10, don't wait till 10 till 10 to get here. Come at 9.30. There's some good stuff happens. We pray in the prayer room. We practice and sing. You can worship even before Sunday school starts. There's all sorts of good things can happen. But I want to see the Lord for who he is. I want to see him high and lifted up. The angels declare his holiness. They began to cry, holy, holy, holy. They are, the seraph is a Hebrew word which means to burn. Now, some people say instead of a fire or a fiery ones, that it means that they are just bright as the sun. They're just bright and they're, they're illuminating. But whether you believe they're on fire or whether you believe they're just illuminating, they are called in the Hebrew, seraph which means to burn. And we find that it's the burning or fiery ones, indicating the blinding brightness of their appearance. These seraphim continuously cry, and they say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The earth is full of his glory. Now think about that. Right now, as soon as they get through saying the earth is full of his glory, they start back. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The earth, the whole earth is full of his glory. Then they start again. Holy, holy, holy. People have said, why do y'all sing the same verse over and over again? Because some people don't get it. We're praising the Lord. We ain't entertaining people. We're lifting up the name that's above every name. So when we say something over and over, it's to give glory and honor unto the Lord. Amen. So this, uh, this uh, seraphims began to cry, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. He is the holiest of all. How do we know that God is one? You never hear of a holy two. You never read the scripture that says a holy three. Not a holy four, holy five, or a holy six. A holy one. Every time you read anything about reference to the one that is holy, it's the holy one. Everybody say holy one. Holy One. It's very important we understand that because there's a lot of people that thinks there is a holy trinity. And there is not. There is a holy one. And, and I know that, that that is something people have difficulty with because of the uh, influences of uh, modern religions. If you start looking at religions of people that people are following, they... They, if they really studied where their beliefs come from, they would drop them like a hot potato. That's right. They would. I'm not joking. I'm not, I'm not saying, well, that's, you're talking about my loved one. You're talking about my grandma. What, I don't, you know, I'm, I'm just stating the word of God. If they knew where their religion truly come from, they'd drop it like a hot potato. Because it certainly didn't come from this right here. 
In fact, the organization that started that don't even use this right here. And I ain't going in to slander an organization, but I'm going to tell you something. An organization won't use this. I don't want nothing to do with them. Nothing. I remember one time we used to buy Bibles and give them to people when they had loved ones that passed away. That's what we did in our local union. And uh, there was this person. Uh, he was a, a boss, and, and his loved one passed away, and uh, I, I took him a Bible. I'm naive. I just think everybody is appreciative of any kindness that you show. I've learned that ain't so. You can be good to some people and they'll, they'll eat you up and spit you out. <laughs> so I, I took this Bible to this man and, and I said, on behalf of, of the local union, I want to give this to you. Uh, sorry for your loss and, and all of that. And uh, We want you to, uh, this is our little token of letting you know we're thinking about you and praying for you. Never will forget. He looked at it and went, that's a Bible. I said, yeah. He said, you know we don't use the Bible. We got our own scripture. And I said, yes, sir. I do know that. I didn't fall off the turnip wagon of Jesus only and Jesus name religion. I've studied your religion. And I know what you believe. But it's an act of kindness. If you don't want it, if it offends you, I'll take it back. That's what I told him. No, 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 I appreciate it and everything, but, you know, this is a Bible. I hope that, I hope that it just got in his spirit a little bit. And, and when he was sitting there after I left, he opened it up and just peeked in it. Just peeked in and And I pray that. The angel just put it in Acts 2.38. He just peeked at it. Now he's forever bound by it. Right? You can't, you can't look and say, I didn't know. I didn't know. Well, let me tell you, there's so much preaching today. If you don't know, there's something wrong with you. You're hiding under a rock. Uh, I like the Word of God. It's powerful. It's quick. It'll, it'll bring you to life. I, I want to I wanna just say that if, if most people knew, and it's not just that religion. It's religions that have branched from that through time that people now accept with open arms. But I'm going to tell you something. There's only one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father who is above all, through all, and in you all. And anybody else, I don't care if they are kinfolk. I've got kinfolk that are believing a lot of stuff that originated from the people that won't take a Bible. I'll just leave it at that. But I believe that we got to stand up in the day we're living in and say, I need the Word of God. And all of, this, all of this nonsensical religion that's out there. Why in the world will we place our eternity on something that's going to send us to a place called hell? 
Why not have this right here and say this is what I'm going to stand on. This never changes. It's forever settled in heaven. You're not going to get anybody to republish it that it's not going to say. You might have different versions. You might have different ideologies. But there's still going to be somebody that says the King James Version is good enough for me because it tells me who Jesus is. It tells me who the Lord is. I can see him high and lifted up. I will seek to see the Lord for who he is. Oh, hallelujah. We should probably not be surprised that uh, when people start serving the Lord, they want to know more about Jesus. You know, I remember when I first started serving the Lord, I couldn't get enough. I'd read, I'd study. And then I'd go to the pastor and I'd say, tell me, tell me what this means. Tell me some stuff. And, and he never would. And I thought, why ain't you going to tell me some stuff? You could save me a lot of study time. And he said, I want you to read it for yourself. I want you to read it for yourself because if I tell you, somebody else can tell you something different, you might believe them. And he said, so I'm not going to tell you anything. I'm just going to let you read it for yourself. So that's how I became a student of the Word. I wanted to know more about my Jesus. I wanted to know more about how I was serving the Lord. If I was in the wrong religion, I wanted to get in the right religion. If I was in the wrong church, I wanted to get in the right church. I was worried about my soul. So I wasn't going to just take somebody's ideology and say, well, the popularity is that there's more of this denomination than this denomination, so I guess I'll go with the multitude. No, when you go with the multitude, you find out Jesus had a lot of people that had a religion when he showed up. And then he began to teach and preach everything that tore up. The, the Bible, I love the way they record it because it said they have, they have uh, turned our cities, the disciples have, upside down. There's something about this word that exalts itself above every other teaching. You can, put, you can put certain people's scriptures against this, and this will be exalted. Now, I can say this and not offend anybody in Phelps, Kentucky, I think. You never know nowadays. You can take the Muslim's Bible... Put it against this. This is exalted above it. Right? I don't think that will bother anybody in Phelps. Now, if I get in Lexington, it will. That's right. Be aware of what you believe. Be aware of who you're serving. Be aware of what the Bible says. Uh, I, I often think of Sister Nicole. Sister Nicole is... is is the most exciting, vibrant, uh, hungry, new saint that we have. And, uh, and, and I tell her that. I, I don't just say it now. I tell her that. And I tell my wife that. I, said, I, I told her the other day and, and told the whole church, I wish I had a whole church of her. <laughs> People that's hungry, worshipers, 
want more. Tell me more. Preach to me more. Uh, just give me more. That's, that's what we need in our life. If you're going to stay saved in our world today, that's what you got to have. you got to have the made-up mind, I want more. You can't be one of these people, well, I've been in church 50 years. I didn't know it all, seen it all, had it all preached to me, had it taught to me. You can't tell me nothing, Pastor. i tell you what. I've been, I've been uh, in church since 1981. And I want you to know I've been preaching since 1982. And there's still stuff when I read it, it jumps out at me. And I go, wow, I never saw it in that manner. I was teaching, I guess it was Wednesday. I'm not sure if it was Wednesday or maybe the weekend before. But I was teaching and I was talking about how that uh, Moses said he was a stranger in a strange land. Now we all know we live in a strange land. But reading that, it just jumped out at me. How that... Yes, we're strangers, but we're living in a strange land. I ask people all the time, do you think today's strange? Definitely it's strange. If you don't think these are strange times, you just got born since, you know, 2000. Because if I could take you back in the day and show you when right was right and wrong was wrong, and preachers wasn't afraid to say it. And saints wasn't afraid and ashamed to live it. You'd be saying, whoa. Is that the way it was? Yeah. Yeah, that's the way it was. You know, I heard something this morning that really was a confirmation of everything that I've tried to tell people for years. And, and I, I hate to even be political this morning, so I won't be. But I, I will say this. Um, how many knows that everybody in the world except the communist countries are wanting to become green? That's right. Venezuela, they ain't going green. They're buying coal from us. India, they ain't going green. They're buying coal from us. Our own vice president this morning stood in Dubai, India, and stood there and said, we have pledged $3 billion to the UN. That ought to stir your mind. To the UN um, Oversight Committee on Green Energy. And uh, they are going to be distributing it to all these little third world countries. So they can become green too. Kermit the Frog. Said this and prophesied this. Oh, Brother Kermit, so many years ago, he said, It's hard to be green. It is hard to be green. Because here's the deal. If every coal fire, and, and here's what she said, which just puts icing on the cake of whatever you want to believe and get offended if you want to, this is truth. We're going to shut down every coal-fired power plant in the U.S. out of her own mouth. 
That's right. You better know your politics, and you better know who you're supporting. Because I'm going to tell you, if you support the wrong crew, you're going to find yourself under communist rule. Because let me just ask a question. This is just me taking a break, time out from the Sunday school lesson. Let me ask you a question. I'm no scholar. I'm no educated man. I don't have a master's degree. I don't have a doctorate degree. I have neology. But I will tell you this. I'm smart enough to know that if everybody else besides China, Venezuela, Japan, different ones, if everybody else is shutting down their coal-fired power plants, which is the backbone of our country, what's going to happen when the power grid goes off and it's January the 25th and it's three degrees outside and you're shivering and cold and no power's coming on for you? How easy is it going to be for a communist country to just walk in? Because you're, you're too cold, you can't move. No, that's not some conspiracy theorist. That's not some ideology of the day. This is fact. The reason America was a superpower and still is up to now, the reason we were a superpower, we controlled the steel, we controlled the coal, we controlled the oil, we controlled energy. You take all that away from us, it ain't going to be nothing. How are you going, how are you going to uh, even charge up your car? Now you know what they got going. I, I got to get off this. You know what they got going? Because it's time for us to quit anyway. So I'm coming to a close. <laughs> They're coming with a way to charge electric cars wirelessly. Because everybody's worried, especially us East Kentuckians, you go across Big Creek Mountain, you're going to run out of power about halfway up. I've got, a, I've got a hybrid, and it runs on battery power, and it runs on gasoline. It's sitting right out there, 200 and some thousand miles on it. <laughs> when I'm going 35 and under, it's electric. But it don't always stay electric. It'll stay electric about from here to that curve down there. And then it kicks on gas to charge up the batteries. Okay? So they said they're going to do it wirelessly. Now, how many remembers when cell phones first come out? What was everybody afraid of? No, not signal loss. Cancer, right? Oh, if I put this phone to my ear, it's going to give me brain cancer. That's, that's what everybody's worried about. Well, let me ask you something. If everybody's starting to get their cars charged wirelessly, how much sound wave electricity and all sorts of other stuff is going to be bombarding our bodies while our electric car gets charged? I'm just saying. I will tell you this. The people that control the energy, whether it's coal, oil, or any of the other um, uh, facets of life, food, our farmland shrinking. And you know who's buying it up? China. China's buying up our farmland. Why are they doing that? They want to have stuff sent back to China? No. 
they're going to starve us out. Now, I know, I know you're conspiracy theorists. No, I'm telling you the true deal. People that control that are going to be the superpowers of the end time. So, um, you better be praying for all of our leaders in Washington, all of our leaders in Frankfurt, all of our leaders in Pike County, that decisions are made for the betterment of the country and not trying to get some weird idea. With that said, I'm glad I'm going to be like Isaiah. I'm not going to watch the coal market. I don't do stock market. I don't, you know, look and see what's up and what's down. I'm looking to see what's up. Amen. Amen. I'm looking to see what's up. And what's up? I'm going to tell you what's up. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. And that's what's up. And uh, he, uh, he began to see the Lord in all of his glory. And I want to humble myself before the Lord that I can be holy. And I can be what the Lord wants me to be. I want my relationship to be right. Amen. May the Lord richly bless you and keep you as our prayer. As we get ready to close, we're going to turn it over to Brother Dwayne. Brother Dwayne, let's give Brother Dwayne a great hand as he closes out. Give the Lord a great hand. Come on, he deserves more than that. I love that lesson this morning. Every time I turn in my Bible to Isaiah chapter 6 or I hear a message or a Sunday school lesson, I love it. It just stirs me up. Amen. I, I want to see what Isaiah seen, don't you? Amen. I want to see him high and lifted up in my life. Like Brother McKinney was teaching, we can't make God any bigger and greater, but you can make him more and greater and bigger in your life. I want to do that. How many anniversaries or, or maybe somebody getting a little older birthdays this morning? Five, ten, fifteen, sixteen. Sixteen years. Long, a long Drawn out. That's suffering. Oh, <laughs> uh, man, that's pretty good. I like it. <laughs> we appreciate y'all. We're going to sing happy anniversary. Anybody else got a birthday or anniversary? We want to celebrate with you. Racine's got a birthday. She, she was back there praying hard. I'd just say, okay, let's sing. <laughs> so so, so you're, not, you're not 100, I, I'm, and it's folded in half, and I know you're not 50. So uh, <laughs> let's just say she's under 100, more than 50. Amen. Amen. We appreciate Sister Racine and Brother Larry. They uh, have been such a tremendous help here at this church and uh, just uh, appreciate them so much. Appreciate uh, Brother Chris and Sister Chani and the three rings. I have to remember. Engagement ring, wedding ring, and suffer ring. <laughs>
don't know about you. Let's, <laughs> that's right. Let's, uh, let's sing happy birthday to Sister Racine and then happy anniversary to Brother Chris and Sister Channing. A happy birthday to you, a happy birthday to you. May you feel Jesus near every day of the year. A happy birthday to you, a happy birthday to you. And the best year you've ever had. A happy anniversary, a happy anniversary. May you feel Jesus near every day of the year. A happy anniversary, happy anniversary. And the best year you've ever had. Yes. Especially, especially Sister Tanny, because I know I worked with that mess for years. I know what she goes through. <laughs> if you'd like to teach your kids the blessing and what it's like to give to the Lord to sow seed, let them come to the front and sow seed. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Y'all believe that? It yes. Is. Amen. <laughs> he don't want he don't want to give. It might taste good, man. <laughs> Give the children a hand clap. Hallelujah. Man, I put it up good Sunday. I thought about that lesson as Brother McKinney was teaching it, and I thought about the glory, man, just exactly what the glory of the Lord is. I want the glory of the Lord in my life. Amen. All right, but yes. But you know, if it's just here at church, and he was, he was teaching this morning, talking about the glory of the Lord, how it filled the heavens, and how it filled the earth. Amen. All right. But the glory of the Lord needs to be full in my life. All right. Amen. And I thought about this scripture, 1 Corinthians 6 and 19 says what? It starts out with a question mark. Know ye not that your body is the temple. See, if he filled that temple, amen, and he's full, amen, in the earth and in the heavens, amen, I want him to fill this temple because it just ain't enough. Here's what I'm getting at. It just ain't enough that I feel God, Brother McKinney. All right. right all it right. Ain't enough that I feel God when, when I turn on Caleb. All right. Know, I want to feel Him no matter where that I am. All right. I want to be full of His glory. Yes. Know that your body is the, the temple, temple of, of the, the Holy Ghost. Ghost. So what you let in your mind, Amen. What you let inside your eyes and your heart. Yes. What you take in, amen, is affecting your body. So All how right. much of the glory of the Lord, amen, are you receiving today, amen? Oh, your hallelujah. Your of the Holy Ghost, which is in you. Look at your neighbor and say, are you full of are the you Holy full Ghost? Are you full of amen. the Holy Ghost? Hallelujah. Which you have of God, and ye are not your own. This body this life don't belong to you. It belongs to him. Amen. So are you lifting him up in everything that you do? Is your life full of All his right. glory? Come on Thank up you, Jesus. Let's worship him. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to be full today. Don't you, church? I want to be overflowing. Amen.
blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We uh, want to uh, remember Sister Gracie in prayer this morning. She's under the weather. We want to remember her. We also want to remember uh, all of those on our prayer list. As I said, my brother, uh, oldest brother, let's remember him in prayer. That the Lord will touch him and give him the healing that he needs. And also, we want to remember uh, Shane Hurley, Charlotte Bainzettle, Shannon Pruitt. Uh, this is Sister Shauna's sister doing some better. Uh, let's continue to pray till we know that she's released from the hospital. Scotty Belcher and Levi McCoy. If you have a prayer request you'd like to make known just by the raising of your hand. There's faith all over this house. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, we come before your presence and we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity that you have given us, Lord, to gather together to cast all of our care upon you. Realizing, Lord, that there are situations in our family's life that we can't do anything about. There's situations in people's lives that we can't change. But Lord, you are the author and the finisher of our faith. You are the one that can heal. You're the one that can deliver. You're the one that can provide. I pray, Lord, that you would move in a mighty way for each and every one that has a need. That each and every one would receive something special to know that you are there. You care. That's why we cast all of our care upon you because you care for us. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, how great is our God. Jesus. You are great. How great. 
you want to acknowledge how great he is, give him a hand clap. Oh, lift up your voice. Shout with the voice of triumph. God's people are victorious. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to ask our ushers to come. We're going to take up today's offering. Give us the Lord blesses you. Let's pray. Lord, we come before your presence and we thank you. We give you honor. Lord, you have given us everything that we have. Every bit of our finances, our homes, our families, all the material possessions we have. You've given it all to us, Lord, and we're going to give back to you according to your word in tithes and offerings. Lord, I pray that you would bless those that give today and are obedient under your word. For it's all in the mighty name of Jesus we ask and pray. Amen.
the Jesus.
winter storms made way for spring. And every season from where I'm standing, I see the evidence of
I'm sure that all of us can say, I see the evidence of His goodness all over my life. Hallelujah. How many feels the Lord has given some evidence of His goodness all over your life? All over your life. Praise the Lord. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord today. And we want to continue to pray for those that are not here. Uh, because um, there's always sickness that arises, and it usually starts about this time of year and goes through to about February or March. And it seems like it's uh, everything from flu to viruses to uh, just other things, but uh, God is going to get glory in spite of it all. Amen. How many is going to give the Lord glory? Amen. I'm going to give Him glory. In spite of it all, praise the Lord. I'm kind of torn between two messages today. And uh, I was um, asking the Lord to give me a confirmation of what needs to be for the day. And um, one of them is just kind of standing between your promise and the promised land. Sometimes what we're told and what we are actually seeing is two different things. And that's kind of where all of us are at in this world. We've been given a promise of eternal life. But we haven't seen it yet, right? So uh, we're kind of in that place between the promise and the promised land. And then I was um, looking at another chapter that talked about who's going to be able to abide in his tabernacle. Who shall dwell in his holy hill. And then it started giving some, uh, I guess, some uh, prerequisites, if you will, and some things that we had to know who's going to be there and who isn't. And it started talking about people walking uprightly and worketh righteousness and speak the truth in his heart. And then uh, somebody who doesn't backbite with their tongue, doeth evil to his neighbor or taketh up or a reproach against any neighbor or against his neighbor. Um, and started looking at all of those things. And I thought, Lord, you know, there's just so much between where we find ourselves today. From the first time that we got the promise of God given unto us to now. A lot of wilderness is behind us. And a lot of wilderness... Is before us. But I'd like to say, if God said it, it's going to come to pass. I believe there are going to be people who are going to abide in the tabernacle of the Lord. They're going to dwell in His holy hill. And I want to be one of those people. Somebody once said, if only one person makes it to heaven, they want to be that one person. Well... That's not selfishness, that's determination. And I pray that you have that determination. So if you have your Bibles today, I want you to turn to Numbers chapter 13. Numbers chapter 13 and verse number 25. Enjoyed the presence of the Lord in the Sunday school lesson this morning. And uh, the singing has ushered us into the presence of the Lord. I'm glad for our singers and our praise team and our musicians. How many is glad for all of our musicians and singers? Amen. 
Numbers 13 and verse 25. And they returned from searching of the land after 40 days. And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron and to all the congregation of the children of Israel unto the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back word unto them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came into the land whither thou sentest, and, it, and surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the land, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there, which are giants. We saw giants in that land. And the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And it just seems like everybody's everywhere. That's my version. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once. Don't hesitate. Don't look back. Don't think about it. Look at somebody and say, Don't think about it. I don't even have to think about serving the Lord. I'm going to serve Him. I don't even have to think about it. Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land, which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that we saw in it are men of great stature. We saw people better than us. And there were, we saw the giants. There's some giants, the sons of Anak. And they come of the giants, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so we were in their sight. And I just want to talk to us between the promise and the promised land. There is a wilderness. Look at somebody and say, there is a wilderness. Between the promise and the promised land, there is a wilderness. Let's pray. Lord, we come before your presence and we thank you for this opportunity that you have blessed us together today to study your word. I pray that you would bless me to preach your word, Lord, line upon line and precept upon precept and that we will all receive what we have need of here today, that we will understand that between the promise you have given us of eternal life until we make it to that city, there is a wilderness that we all have to go through. There are battles we all will have to fight and there are giants that look way bigger than us Lord but we know that you are bigger than our enemy you are greater than any of our opposition and Lord we're going to lift up your name which is higher than any name and it's at the name of Jesus we give you the praise the honor and the glory in Jesus mighty name amen amen let's give the Lord another mighty praise lift up your voice with the voice of triumph Hallelujah, hallelujah. And you may be seated. I want to be confident. I want to be courageous. But I am human. We all find that there are things that we face in our world today that we have never faced before. 
There are things that we're going through, pathways we're traveling, we have never traveled before. I saw an advertisement for a hat, and uh, it said, and I threatened to get it for Sister Barb. I mean, I didn't mean to say that. I I saw this hat, and it said, um, (laughs) it said, uh, uh, I don't know what it uh, feels. I'm I'm not going to act my age because I've never been this old before. I don't know how to act my age. I've never been this old before. So, uh, <laughs> you, you, I know it's coming. But I thought about how that uh, we haven't been this old before. You're one day older than you were yesterday. We are one year now past behind us getting ready to enter into a new year. We have to come to the conclusion we're not getting any younger and the things behind us are behind us. And therefore, the things before us is what i got to focus on and you have to focus on because if we're going to make it to the promised land... We can't, number one, we can't forget the promise. The promise is unto you and your children and all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. You got the promise of the Holy Ghost. You got the promise the Lord will be a cloud by day and fire by night. You got the promise uh, he'll show you stuff in your darkness and he'll show you stuff when everything's bright and shiny. I believe that we got to understand while there is a journey to be made, I'm not going to get caught in my wilderness given up in the midst of the journey. We're too close to heaven to give up now. We're too close to home to turn back now. We're too close to that city. Ah, I want to know that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Oh, I look at this and I begin to be stirred because this is a, 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 just a type and a shadow of what we go through in our world today. We find that from the time we went to an altar and gave our life to Jesus, oh, there was nothing greater. Everybody shout, there was nothing greater. There was nothing greater. When you went to that altar and gave your life to the Lord, only one thing was on your mind. I want to get forgiveness of my sins, and I want to serve the Lord all the days of my life. We kind of like ask the question, Lord, who shall abide in your tabernacle? How can I get there? How can I get to that place? We were all so anxious to tell somebody about Jesus. We talked about it. We sung about it. We couldn't get more involved. We wanted to get involved in everything. We wanted to be a part of everything. It didn't matter if it was cleaning the church or just having a good old shout down service. We wanted to be a part of it. It was all because we had the promise. And the promise was that if you give your life to Jesus, you got a home in glory. Well, there's a home in glory waiting on every one of us. And if we will still keep 
journeying through the wilderness, making sure that we don't get the discouragement that is given by some of our friends and family and loved ones and co-workers and schoolmates and people in the community that tell you how bad it is. You just look at them and tell them how good you got it. You just tell them how good you got it. They say, oh, it's a bad time, ain't it? You just say, oh, it's a good time. It's a good time to be saved. How many can help me preach? It's a good time to be saved. It's a good time to be saved. I'd like to say that it's always a good time to be saved. Amen. I believe that sometimes when we find ourselves in a situation where we begin to look around and we say, well, I got the promise of God. He told me I can make it to heaven if I stay on this journey. It's a straight and narrow way. I don't care how many churches say it's broader now. I don't care how many people says it's more progressive now. I don't care how many people says you don't have to do all that now. I want to stay on the path that the Lord gave me the promise. When they went through the will They were on a narrow path. Yes, the wilderness was huge. It was wide. But they was on a narrow path. They didn't just wander in the wilderness anywhere they wanted to go, do anything they wanted to do, say anything they wanted to say, eat anything they wanted to eat, and drink anything they wanted to drink. They followed what God provided for them. You might say, well, they couldn't get nothing in the wilderness. There wasn't nothing in the wilderness. Sometimes that's why we go through our wilderness is because God's trying to get us focused again to get back on the straight and narrow. Because when you have nothing, you only got one way to look up. When something's going wrong in your life, you still just got one way to look up. But when everything's going good and the bills are paid and bank accounts full and cabinets are full of beanie weenies and you got all sorts of stuff going on. Oh, so many times we forget we got the promise but we also got the journey oh the journey I remember some saints of God used to sing an old song the journey gets sweeter every day I don't know about you I'm sick of the world I'm about ready to regurgitate every time I see something trans or see something that is not moral something that is sinful and if you ain't that way I pray that the Holy Ghost fills you to the brim and that you cannot stand to be in a world without Jesus. You can't stand to be in a wilderness without Jesus. You cannot. I know. I know we're living in a time we got the promise. We got the, we shout about the promise. Praise God. Hallelujah. Got a cabin in glory land. No such thing. But anyway, you got a cabin in glory land. Oh, praise God, I'm going to walk on the street of gold. Oh, everybody will be happy over there. And we start singing all these songs because of the promise. And then Monday happens. <laughs> Monday's your wilderness. You wake up from a Sunday service. I went to church. Oh, I felt better and everything was good. And we worshiped and we praised. And oh, it was just a great time. The singers were magnificent. And the music department ushered us in. And oh, Brother McKinney tried his best. But, you know, we had a good time. And then, then on Monday, you wake up smack dab in the middle of the wilderness. Because you got to see people you don't want to see. you got to hear stuff you don't want to hear. And you got to make your way through the wilderness. 
The world we're living in is not getting better. It's getting worse. Iniquity is abounding. We find that sin is running rampant. We find that there is evil on every hand. None of this is new to the child of God. But I see people that sometimes forget the journey because we're just holding on to the promise and the future somewhere down the road, somewhere in our future, we're going to be in heaven. But I'd like to enjoy the journey now. I don't believe that Caleb was a reporter of the first Jerusalem Post and came back and said what he said because it was going to be just a bad day for everybody. He comes back and says, we need to go up at once. We don't even need to hesitate. We don't even need to think about it. There's no use holding back. I'm not going to think about whether I'm going to live holy. I'm going to live holy. I'm not going to think about whether I'm going to church. I didn't wake up this morning flipping coins to see if I'm going or staying. I didn't come to church to see if I'm just going to sit on a pew and see what happened or if I'm going to get involved in worshiping the God that saved me. I didn't, I didn't come to the house of God just to see who was there and who wasn't there. I came because the Lord has given me a promise and the journey that I'm on right now. I'm going to be like Caleb. I may be in the midst of the wilderness. I may see some giants in my way. I may even see some, some lack in my journey and no provision when I want it. But I know this. I'm not going to hesitate. we got to go at once and possess what God has told us we can have. He says we got to believe his report. Whose report will you believe? I shall believe the report of the Lord. I'm not going to believe the report of the world. The world says that, you know, economies will never get any better. We got to go to a one world government. We got to go to a one world currency. We have got to get all of this in line and, and all of this happening. I'm not listening to the giants of my day. My journey is not to the White House. My journey is not to the politician's house. My journey is to the church house where I can find out more about my Lord. I, I'm on a journey. I, I wish I could take about 150,000 people with me on this journey that I'm on because I'm not worried about the giants. Yes, there's giants. I'm not denying there's giants. I'm not denying there's sickness. I'm not denying COVID killed people. I'm not a, one of these conspiracy theorists that says everything was made up. I'm telling you, some people die of COVID, some people die of the flu, some people die of a common cold. Some people die of a heart attack, a stroke, and other things. Those giants are out there, but that's not what I fear. I'm going to be like Caleb and say, 
Yes, there's giants. The inhabitants of the land, oh, they just are eat up with it. You know, have you ever heard somebody say, oh, the land's just eat up with it. You go to work and your job just eat up with ignorance. <laughs> you find yourself looking like these 12 and they say, well, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a bad place, you know. We got, we got, and he started naming it off. I thought this was interesting. They started naming it off. And he said, let's look at the fruit of this land. Surely it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Surely it is. Just like God said. If God said one thing, you can believe him for the second thing. I'm going to say it again. If God said one thing, you can believe him for the second thing. So if God says everything's going to be all right and it's all right, then why doubt him the second time? Well, I better take matters in my own hand. No, you better listen to God. But look what it says. It says, surely it floweth with milk and honey. And this is the fruit. They had fruits so big they had to carry it on staffs. Right? Staffs. They, they, they put it on the shoulders and carried it in and said, look here. I've never seen a grape that would feed an army. I've never seen a grape that would make, you know, a thousand quarts of grape juice. You would read your Bible's fascinating book. God's showing us blessing after blessing. He's showing the land don't have to eat you up. You can eat the land up. Church, we ought not sit back and say, well, the world's eating us up and they're taking our kids and they're taking our teens and they're taking our adults and they're taking this. We got to get out of that negativity. And we've got to say, I'm not going to let the land eat me up. I'm going to eat the land up. The land is before us. So we find something interesting that, that the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites dwell in the mountains. So there's people, there's people down in the valley. There's people in the mountains. Uh, there's people even down when I go to the beach. They've taken over the beach. Because the Amorites, the Canaanites, and, and by the sea, they dwell by the sea and by the coast of Jordan. There's all sorts of stuff out there, people out there. There's all sorts of obstacles. There's all sorts of stuff that is deterring and discouraging. But I believe that we got to get past that and we got to say, wait a minute, I'm not waiting to be discouraged. I'm not coming. I don't wake up in the morning and say, I hope today's a better day. I know today's a better day. I woke up this morning. Oh, some of y'all ought to give the Lord a great hand. You're not in the hospital. You're not at the funeral home. You're not making funeral plans. You are in the house of God. That ought to be enough to let us praise him. Oh, I know it. Caleb stilled the people. People get in an uproar. You know, that's why when you start talking negative stuff, everybody gets on board. If I started, I guarantee, if I stood up at this pulpit and I said, man, there ain't no hope for us. COVID's back on the rise. Let's shut down for six more months. There'd be somebody agree with me. We ought to, we ought to shut down for six months. We ought to quit. We ought to, if, if God can't deliver us from this, why are we even serving God? That's, that's what some people would say. 
But I want you to know something. I didn't wake up this morning hoping for a better day. I woke up this morning because it is a better day. I didn't go to bed last night with worry and all of that. I laid my head down and went to sleep because I know God is in control. He's given me a promise. He's given you a promise. Somebody shout, I got the promise of eternal life. I've got the promise of eternal life. It's a promise. God doesn't break his promises. The promises of God are yea and amen. They can't be broken. They can't be destroyed. Yes, our journey is tougher today than it ever has been in our past. We're dealing with more foolishness than we've ever dealt with before. You talk to people about living holy and they laugh at you because the majority of the people don't believe what you believe. They believe the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and Anak. It's just too big for us. It's just too much for us. But I want to help us. I want to encourage you about something. Caleb stealed the people before Moses. Caleb jumps in front of Moses and says, wait a minute. Because they're all grumbling, complaining, murmuring. I got news for you. It ain't hard to get people to complain. But boy, try to get somebody to praise the Lord. It ain't hard to get people to say, yeah, it's too cold, it's too hot. We want that Goldilocks religion. PA's too loud, too low. I can't hear somebody. We want that Goldilocks singing. Goldilocks singing. Preacher's too blunt or not blunt enough. We want that Goldilocks preacher. That's what we want. Whether we realize it or not, that's what the world is filling in our ears every day we go out there. Is Y'all don't have to do all that. Y'all don't have to live that way. Y'all don't have to live, uh, you know. But who shall abide in the tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh upright and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. We got to start speaking truth instead of lies. Somebody told me one time, it's only a lie if you believe it. And I said, no, a lie is a lie whether I believe it or not. He that backbiteth not with his tongue. So that means backbiters are in trouble. They ain't going to the tabernacle of God. Him that doeth evil, evil to his neighbor. You're not going to heaven if you do your neighbor wrong. He that taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. Going to try to ruin the reputation of your neighbor. I'm going to do them in. You don't know what they said to me. You don't know how they treated me. Big deal. I'm at the point now, here's my counseling to anybody that needs it. So what? Big deal. You're a child of God. 
You're the army of the living God. You're not some beat up, bruised up, battered up, ragtag leper colony trying to make it to heaven, barely dragging yourself in. You are the people of God. Look at somebody and say, put a smile on your face. You're the people of God. Put a joy in your voice. You're the people of God. Get a hand clap about you because you are the people of God. So Caleb jumps in front of Moses and says, everybody calm down. Everybody chill out. Everybody take a break. Because he said, I want you to know something. I'm going to tell you something. He stilled the people before Moses and he said, let us go up right now at once. Just right now. Let's don't, let's don't wait till daybreak. Let's don't get a battle plan together. Let's don't see how many is going to be on board with us. You know, it's a pretty sad day when, when you got people like Joshua saying, whoever's on the Lord's side, that's a pretty sad day, isn't it? They shouldn't have been one person left on the other side. But there was. Just like there's going to be members of our family, members of our loved ones, and members of the community that's going to be left on the wrong side. I won't be on the right side. I'm not worried about it. I'm not worried about it. Just look at somebody and say, don't worry about it. Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and... Now notice that. That's not a word that says, let's go up and try to get it back. Well, pastor, I'm going to try one more time. I'm going to try to serve God. I'm going to try to attend more church. I'm going to try to do better. Just do it. Quit trying. I got news for you. Brother Amos, so good to see you. I know you've been under the weather and had some things going on. So good to see you in the house of God. Amen. Amen. Give, give Brother Amos a great hand. Amen. You know that doctors are practicing medicine? They ain't even perfected it. Do you hear anything about a preacher practicing preaching? Well, I'm a practicing preacher. Yeah, reckon you ever going to get it right? I don't know, I'm practicing. There's somebody once said that they was Catholic, and somebody asked them right after that, said, are you a practicing Catholic? And I thought, what in the world? You either is or you ain't. So I preached a message one time, are you a practicing Pentecostal? I'm going to quit trying and start doing Look at somebody and say, quit trying and start doing. Caleb stilled the people. They're all murmuring. They're tore up. They're in a tissy. And all of a sudden, uh, Caleb is, is standing out in front of Moses and saying, Mo, Mo, I got this. So he steps out in front of Moses. And he says, everybody calm down. Let's just go up there at once right now. Let's... Come on, let's get in line. March, 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 march. Let's go get and possess it. 
Possess it means you get it. You're not trying to get it. You're not going to attempt. Nowhere in Caleb's conversation does he say, let's try to go and see if it's God's will. No, God's will's already been said. These people that's looking for God's will, I got news for you. God's will's done been settled. What is His will? Everything from Genesis to Revelation. I don't know about you. This is still called the Holy Bible. I don't know about you. But when you start looking at it, you start looking at the Old Testament. And, and Testament literally means will. The will of God in the Old Testament. And then you get in the New Testament and it's a new will. And it's the will of God. And then you get to Revelation, everybody says, I want to know about the beast. Tell me about them beasts. And I want to look at them and say, you don't need to know about the beasts. You need to know one name only. The book of Revelation is not the revelation of the Antichrist or the beast or what is to come. If you read your Bible, the introduction says the revelation of Jesus Christ. But I want to know. You don't need to know. Caleb, Caleb. Caleb, Moses, Moses, Moses. These people just want to know what they're up against. We always want to know. We don't want to know the good stuff. We want to know the bad stuff. We go to a dentist. Okay, doc, wait, time out. What are you going to do? Well, I'm going, I'm going to take this right here and I'm going to stick it in your gums. And you're going to feel a little pinch. And I thought, no, no you're, you liar. <laughs> I do have a good dentist. He even let me do a commercial for him. I do have a good dentist now. I don't feel none of his numbing. That's true, I don't. I'll recommend him to you if you need a good one. But uh, anyway, we want to know the bad. Why not be like Caleb? Caleb said, let's just go up at once and possess it. Let's just go get it right now. It's our promise. It's not the promises to the Amalekites, the Amorites. It's not the promise to Enoch. It's not the promise to those that are there in the mountains and in the, by the seashore. It's not the Hittites and Jebusites. It's our promise. Our land. When are we going to tell the devil? When are we going to stand and tell the devil? It's my family. Amen. Not yours. When, I, know, I know we don't understand that because we say, well, you just don't know. They've told me this and they don't believe this and they've done that and they, they've rejected this and they don't want to be a, a, a part of the church and all this. Well, that, that's because you're looking at Anak. You're looking at the giant. You're not looking at the promise. I don't know. Am I, I don't know if I'm getting this. If, if I know it ain't over your heads, because y'all intelligent people. I know it ain't over your heads. I'm just asking: Are we getting it? 
Are we getting it to the point that we say, I don't have to let the world have my family. I don't have to let the devil destroy my home. I don't have to let the devil tear up anything in my life. It's mine. Anybody remember David in the Bible? Giant killer. But do you know there come a time when the giant killing didn't get him nowhere? There's going to be times when people's going to look at you and say, yeah, I know that you prayed through and got that miracle or you got that healing, and it's not going to mean a thing to some people. But I'm going to tell you something. David come home with his men, and the city was burnt with fire. They stole his family. They stole his family, his kids, his wives, his stuff, his weed eater. They got it all. He's standing around looking in nothing but ashes and smoke. And he's looking around. You know, his army, what they're doing? I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to kill that man right there. If we hadn't been gone, we'd been here to protect the women folk. It's exactly what they want to do. Kill David. It's his fault. David kind of just... Encouraged himself in the Lord. He went and talked to the Lord. And, and, and he said, come on. No, we ain't going to fight amongst ourselves. If a church ever learns that, praise God. <laughs> we ain't going to fight amongst ourselves. If we're going to fight, I said this to y'all a long time ago. I fight the devil all day long, but I ain't fighting the devil on you too. So, so David said, we ain't going to fight among ourselves, but I'll tell you what we are going to do. We're going to go back and get our stuff. We read these stories like there's some far out fictional author wrote them. And just, that's a good cheerleading. Oh, when I'm down, I'll know I'll get back. Oh, when I'm losing out, I know I'll gain back. No, though losing, I'll be gaining. Though suffering, I'll be reigning with my king. My eye is on the prize we got to understand something. David said, let's go back and get what was stolen from us. Now, I don't believe they just went and got the women folk or the kids or the cattle. I think if they, was, if they, if they looked down and saw that a ribbon fell out of somebody's hair, that's mine. I ain't leaving a ribbon for the devil. Oh, some of us sort of make up our mind. I'm not even going to leave nothing for the devil to have. He can't have my joy. He can't have my family. He can't have my loved ones. I'm not even going to leave him an ounce of anything that belongs to me. Somebody say, it belongs to me. David said, it belongs to me. So they went, and you know what the Bible called it? Recovering all. Didn't say recovered the best of it, the good of it. All. Everybody say all. all. Why? Because it was David's stuff. God promised him that stuff. God's promised us our families. Train up a child in the way it should go, and when it's old, it won't depart from it. We've got a promise, church. I'm tired of people saying, well, praise God, if you're too strict on them, they'll go wild as a buck when they get out. Well, what's all these sinners doing? As of today, my daughter ain't a transsexual. I said as of today. 
As of today, she's not a lesbian. You know why? Because something was instilled in her. I, I don't know. No, that's okay. You don't have to rejoice at my child because my child's my child. I'll, I'll make sure I go to God in prayer for my child. You got children. Are you just going to wave and say, ah, they're just a little backslid or they just don't want to come to church? No, you ought to be begging them. You ought to be looking at them. You ought to be saying, please come back because you got a promise. But most of all, I've got a promise for my children. If you got children in this house, raise both hands and you shout, I got a promise from God. I got a promise from God. I know I got clothes, but Caleb jumps out. He calms everybody down. He says, let's go get it. David said, let's go get it. Let's recover it all. Let's don't leave nothing for the enemy. I don't want the enemy to have one thing that belongs to me. And so he got his family back. He got his stuff back. He got everything the enemy stole. And, and I believe if they was eating one of his chicken's legs. This is just how much I believe. I believe he went over and said, I'll take that. Why, well, he probably killed him or slit his throat. It's mine. You know, the reason David carried the head of Goliath around was not because he wanted people to worship him. He wanted to people to see what God can do the reason that Caleb jumps in front of Moses and says everybody calm down let's go up at once and possess the land is not because Caleb and Joshua want to be the only two that ever had anything with them but because he wanted them to see what God had promised the reason I keep saying not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of some is, is not so you'll be here every service to please me. It's so you'll be here every service so you won't miss heaven. Heaven. Somebody say, I got a promise. I got a promise. And so he calmed the people down. He said, let's go up at once and, and possess it. For we are well able to overcome it. We're well able. I like that. Somebody says, are you able? I'm well able. I thought you was down in the back. I am, but I'm well able. I don't have to have a strong back to have strong faith. I know, I know. You see, the promise, from the promise to the promised land, wilderness, battle, giants, people are by the seas. People by the mountains. There are people eat up. The land is, is inhabited. It's eat up with them. And uh, what are we going to do? And all the people's murmuring, but Caleb and Joshua brought back a good report. Caleb calmed the people, and he just began to say, let's go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. But the men, the other ten, Unfortunately, majority has a bigger voice in our world today than the few and the righteous. 
Usually if you have trouble at work, it's not the good people that cause it. If you're causing trouble at work, I got news for you. You ain't on the good side. We find that the ten come back and they said, wait a minute. We, we can't go up against these people. We can't do this. Did not those ten people get the same promise Joshua and Caleb got? So next time somebody looks at you and says, I just can't seem to get nowhere with the Lord, you just say, well, come with me. Next time somebody says, I, I'm just thinking about quitting church. No, you're thinking about quitting Jesus, but you call it quitting church. Just come with me. We're well able to overcome this. There should be nothing that we say I can't get through. They, not, they should not be one thing that we just sit down, cross our legs, put our chin in our hand, and say, I just don't know what to do. If you don't know what to do, you ain't received the promise, and you ain't got your vision on the promised land. Because here's what we're going to do. We're going to trust God. We're going to trust God. They brought up an evil report. They said, yep, we searched it out, and there's... There's people there that we can't fight. There's giants there. There's all sorts of men of great stature there. It just seems like everybody's bigger, got more weapons. They, they just in higher places than we are, and they got more stuff than we got. And this is the pity party of the day. People start talking about, well, you know, seems like everybody's got more stuff than I got just because I pay all my income taxes and I live right and I don't cheat and thieve and steal and, and all these other people living high on the hog and driving four-wheelers in the mountains and all this and, and side-by-sides and I ain't against none of that. If you got all that, praise God for you. Come take me sometime. But I believe that we got to understand that, that sometimes we get in that frame of mind like the ten and we start pointing out all the things that is too much for us to handle. But here's what they didn't deny, and neither did Joshua and Caleb. They did not deny there was giants in the land. They didn't deny that there was people in the mountains, in the coast. They didn't deny none of that. But what was said, I thought was interesting, was the ten looked at themselves less. I got news for you. You're not less than anybody. There's no church in this country. I don't care if it's Brother Mangans or if it's Brother Carpenters. I don't care if it's a church of a thousand or a church of 50. There's no church, no people that you have to be inferior to. And I speak it in the name of Jesus. I'm going to help us. Because if we just had the right singers and we had the right musicians and we just had everything together and we had a big youth group, what about the one? What about the one? No, no, I can't do much with one. You ought to be doing just as much with one person in Sunday school as you do if you had a, a hundred. You ought to be doing just as much with one in youth service as you do with a hundred. And if you can't do that, then come to me and resign. Because we need people that's Joshua, Caleb. We're able. 
well able to overcome this. We're going to see our family saved. We're going to see our loved ones. We're going to see our co-workers. We're going to see some people come to Jesus. We just got to learn to look at them with compassion and realize that was us before the Lord. Before the Lord got in our life, we as everyone just as nasty and mean and cruel as everybody out there. That's right. You can say, no, I was good. No. We all have the promise. I'm going to ask the singers and musicians to come. We all have the promise. We all.